Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Hope everyone is doing well. Here we are trucking through our Waiting on God series, and it's not an easy series. This is not a, a fluffy, you know, happy-go-lucky type of series. This is one of those things that's addressing some of the hardest things. You know, we've been talking about waiting on God when, when, when God delays a little bit. We talked about when God seems absent. Sometimes God seems like He's not there. He's just not hearing. He's not listening. Where are you, God? Are you even there? Can you even hear me? Are you even real? So many of us have these things. And today, what we want to discuss is the season when God says no to your prayers. When God says no to your prayers. I want you to know that every single prayer is answered. Let's look at what it says here in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. It says, call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. I want to ask you guys, how many of you feel like that verse is not true? That verse is not true. He says, call to me and what? I will answer you. Well, God, I have a hundred prayers that you never answered. You know, there's actually a story of uh, uh, a missionary in, in, in England during the time of the Depression. And this this missionary, his name was George Mueller. He kept a prayer journal. And he used to write down all of his prayers. And he discovered that he has more than 500,000 prayers answered. God answers every single prayer, just not always the way you like it. He answers. And he answers actually very clearly. And believe it or not, God speaks to you. And if your heart is sensitive enough and your spirit is connected enough, you're going to hear those whispers. Those light whispers that say his will for your life. The Bible has many examples of people who didn't have their prayers answered. David asked that God would, that he could build a temple for God. And God said, no, it's not going to be you. It's going to be what? Your son. He didn't get that prayer answered. Moses was waiting to go to the promised land, excited to go to the promised land. He went and he could see it with his eyes, but he could not enter with his feet because of when he, stroke, he struck the rock, when God told him just to speak to the rock. Moses never got to go to the promised land. Abraham prayed for things for a hundred years that he felt like God was, kept on saying no. St. Paul. St. Paul said, Lord, I have this thorn in the flesh. Please remove it. He says, I pleaded with God three times. We're going to hear about that in a little bit. Some of our prayers will be answered, but not in your lifetime. And we're going to even talk about that in a little bit. How there are prayers that you pray and God will answer maybe after you go to heaven. We'll try to understand what that is. So if God is truly loving, I want to ask you, God is truly loving. And he controls everything and cares for me. Why has my prayer been denied? Why do some people get miracles and others don't. How come some people, they pray for healing, and they're healed, and others, they pray for healing, and God doesn't heal? Why do some people get relief, and other people suffer their whole life? 
Sometimes you wonder, is God fair? Could he possibly truly love me that when he says no to something, I'm not asking for something unreasonable? Maybe you're asking for your spouse to change, to find God, and it's been 20 years and he's hopeless. And you're like, okay, God, like, why some people, you hear these glorious and glamorous stories, but with me, it's no. But God can't answer every single prayer. Like when, when two people, when two people are praying for the opposite things, obviously God can't answer both. Yesterday, Sherry, the, one of my kids had a football game. She said, Abuna, pray for him. And I said, what do you want me to pray for? And she said, you know, I'm like, that he would win? I'm like, okay, what if the other people are praying that he would win, that their team would win? Well, you're a priest, man. You have to have some kind of like, like, <laughs> you got to have some type of influence over something, right? That I'm like, what does that mean to pray for them to win? What does that mean to God? Or what does that mean to the kingdom of God? What does that mean? And then I said, like, are you really asking me to pray that he would be safe? That's not, you want him to win. And you want him to score a touchdown. And you want him to smash the other guys. God can't answer every single prayer. Kids are praying for snow day while the parents are praying, please, God, no. I can't stay at home with my kids. Right? God is not going to answer every single prayer. There are some that if God were to answer some prayers, that would mean that God would have to take away other people's free will. Maybe some people say, please let him marry me. Or please let her marry me. Let her fall in love with me. God can't force her to love you. God can't force her to love you. And even harder than that, God can't force somebody to stay in love with you. You know, people pray for the end of their marriages. Lord, please save our marriage. God can't force this guy who wants out. He can't force him. He can't take away his free will, which is a very, very hard thing to grasp, that as much as God can control the whole universe, but he's not going to take away somebody else's free will. So I want us to think about these no's that God often gives us. He doesn't force you to do the right thing, does he? Does God ever force you to do the right thing? How many of you guys know very well that what you're doing is wrong and God doesn't say, that's it, I'm going to put like fiery chariots to stop you in the way. You're not going to cross this path. He doesn't force you to choose the right thing. Often God lets you even choose the wrong thing, even something that will hurt you and hurt others. He just won't do it. And that's a logical reason as to why some of your prayers don't get answered. But we're going to talk about different things. Like if when we pray for sick people, we pray for sick people. If every sick person that we pray for gets healed, nobody would ever die. I have people that come to me and they're so mad at God. And I'm like, what's wrong? He said, I prayed for grandma. Grandma's been in the bed, you know, in hospice for six months. And I'm like, how old is grandma? Grandma's 90 years old. I'm like, what makes you think that grandma's going to live like Melchie said? Like, 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 it's <laughs> Methuselah. Like, she, she's not going to stay around forever. Okay? It's okay that she dies. She's 90. She had a good life. Let it go, lady. Like, I'm telling you, there are things that we pray. 
But we're not meant to live on this earth forever. We're not meant to be on this earth. Some people are meant to be here longer than others. Some people go very early. We're not meant to be here. We're meant to live eternally, but not eternally here on planet earth. Okay? So we have to understand that. And there's times when God's no doesn't make sense. It's unbearable and heartbreaking. You're like, God, what are you thinking? When God has been saying no to something that you desperately need, that this kind of no is so painful. When God says no, you have to know that it is the greatest. Hold on, we should, oh, they didn't break the, uh, can somebody go upstairs real quick and get that handouts? There's handouts that should be right now. When God says no, it's the greatest test of your life. I want you to understand that. When God says no, sometimes it is the greatest test of your life. During the unfulfilled longing, during the dashed dreams, during the sudden unexpected death that took place. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. The question is, if God were to ask you in these moments, are you going to trust me or not? You're saying, I I'm going to trust you, but, 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 but. Are you going to trust me or not? And we're going to go through this to understand how to deal with some of these unbearable no's that God gives us in our life. God gives us a lot of no's that maybe you don't understand why, and it's really hard for you to grasp. So we're going to talk about what to do when God says no. The reasons I'm going to give you, I want you to use to comfort yourself, but I don't want you to use them. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, when God seems absent to comfort others. This is for you. Remember we talked about Job's friends, pretending they know why Job is going through this most miserable experience, and they say, oh, maybe it's because you have an unrepented sin. Or maybe because, you know, God thinks... The wisest time where Job's friends were in his life were the seven days where they didn't say anything and they cried with him. I remember when we went to Greece to serve Islamic refugees. And we went there and these are refugees coming from ISIS, from fleeing from ISIS in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan. And they went through the most difficult times and they saw like missiles blow up their apartment buildings while their parents were in there, while their children were in there. It was devastating. And they came and they would tell us their stories and we would just cry with them. We would just cry with them. Some people at the end of our mission trip said, we want to get baptized. I said, why? Is it because you just sat and cried with us? You didn't try to explain why we went through what we went through. I'll never forget that. It was one of the most powerful experiences that said, you just cried with us. And that is what, so the reasons that I'm going to give you for the different no's, I'm sure there's a thousand reasons why God says no. But we're going to talk about three of them this morning. And as I do that, I really want to make sure that we don't use these for others. Use them for yourself. But I want you to also know that some people say, well, God, you know, why is what's happening in Palestine happening? You say, you know what, because there's so many unbelievers over there. Or... They need to know Christ. God is bringing the world to repentance. I, I heard um, there was a, a preacher that said during Hurricane Katrina, you know, there's a lot of sinful areas in, in Louisiana, a lot of unholiness and ungodly living in Louisiana. 
And when Hurricane Katrina came and it destroyed Louisiana, people said, so that these people would know God. Well, somebody said, well, you know what? The street where all the bad stuff happens was left untouched. Nothing bad happened on that street. Okay? What we have to understand is in 1 Peter 4.17, it says this, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Judgment begins where? At the house of God. Don't say, well, the reason why what's happening in Palestine is so people would believe in Christ. You don't know that. You don't know that. The time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And so we're going to discover three possible reasons why God says no. First one is God says no when he sees a broader perspective. You see, God can see what you can't see. God can see around the corner. He can see 10 years down the road. He can see what your health is going to be, what their health is going to be. God can see everything that you can't see. And it's important to understand that there are implications for every single decision that is made. How many of you guys ever see the movie uh, Bruce Almighty? Anybody ever see Bruce Almighty? Bruce Almighty is this guy... He sees this lovely lady that he he's praying that God would make her fall in love with him. And he's like complaining, where is God? Why is he not listening to me? And God appeared to him and said, hey, you want to, you think this is easy? You become God for a day. And so he starts like using it for his advantage, right? That the girl would fall in love with him. He would like draw the moon a little bit closer. He would do all kinds of things to make everything perfect. And then he started to get on his email all of these prayer requests because he's God. Thousands and thousands. And he was like, uh, sure, yes, go ahead. Until he's like, you know what? I'm God. I'm not going to respond to every single email. He said, yes to everything. And the whole world almost exploded. Because he just wrote, yes, I'm God. Yes to everything. And there was so much chaos. It's a, it's a, it's a really powerful scene to think that if God were just to sit there and say, of course, if he just wrote, yes, all of our problems would be solved. That's not God. That's not God. God is much wiser than you and me. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God sees everything. God sees everything. Our limited perspective doesn't see the unintended consequences of what we are asking. There are some consequences of what you're asking, and you're completely unaware of what might happen. He can see that every prayer that is answered yes starts a chain reaction in the future. I want you to think about if you told your kids yes to everything, what would happen to your kids? What would happen to your kids? You say they'd be like the way they are right now. <laughs> right? Just, let's just make the problem go away. Yes to all. When we went to Egypt on a vacation, everything in Egypt is like 10 times cheaper. So my kids would just say, Daddy, can we? Yes. This is the only vacation where you can do that. Yes. <laughs> do whatever you want. Okay? But sometimes we don't realize that there's unintended consequences. I want to ask you a question. If you could see your life the way God does, would your prayers be different? If you could see 10 years in advance, and if you could see what's around the corner, and you could see what the result of your yes is the way that God sees how would your prayers be different? Take a second right now, and I want you to think about something that you're praying about, something that you are hoping that God would answer, and you are begging and expecting that God is going to answer. How many of your prayers would be different if you could just 
paint a different picture of what's really happening. Maybe you say, um, wait a second, I wouldn't have prayed that prayer if I knew that this was going to cause all of this. You see, God loves you too much to give you everything you ask for, and you can't see the results of the consequences, which you can't see. And you have to understand is that God protects you. And this is the broader perspective. That often when God says no, He's protecting you from something. Proverbs 2.8 says this, He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of His saints. I think we have pens somewhere on the side if anybody knows where the pens are. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Sometimes, God is protecting you. He takes you out of danger so that you don't get burned. God is taking you out of danger so you don't get burned. Let's study, let's think about Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. You see, Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. Did God say, you know, I'm sure Daniel said, please, Lord, like, don't let this happen. When he got thrown into the lion's den, did, did God stop it? Daniel, the man of God, did God stop it? No. But he shut the lion's mouths. He shut the lion's mouths and saw something completely different. Let's read this passage in Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 to 25 with the three holy youth. The three youth, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused, refused, refused to worship the statue of the king. And this is what took place. It says that Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury because they refused. And the expression of his, on his face changed towards Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king! Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Before this passage, they came and they said, we're not afraid. They said, we are still not going to bow down to your statue, and we know that our God can deliver us. And then the three best, verse, three best words in the whole Bible, three best words in the whole Bible, they said, we know that our, our, our God can deliver us, but if not, but if not, if God doesn't deliver us, we are still not going to bow down before your statue. Wow. Even if God says no, we're still not going to bow down. Look at what happened here. It says they went in bound and they, came, and they were dancing around the fire, what? Loose. Look at the highlighted word. They went in, they, came, they were dancing around loosed. The ties that were on their hands were broken. Sometimes God says no in order to set you free. You see, God knows that something is going to humble you enough, break down your pride enough to break down the chains that you are in, your stubbornness, 
your narcissism, your pride, your addictions, your bondage, whatever it may be, God knows when you're asking God and he's saying no and you're like, God, please. He's saying no. What I'm permitting for you is to set you free. Is that you would no longer be bound, but that you would be loose. You say, okay, if that's the case, if I'm going to be free, if I'm no longer going to be in bondage to whatever it is that's tying me up, then Lord, set me free. Keep me in the fire. Let the fire burn off the ropes from my hands. It's a beautiful story to know that God will even allow that to set us free. Let's look at St. Paul. Let's look at St. Paul. He wanted to go to Rome to preach to Caesar. Is that a good desire? Does Paul have any selfish ambition by preaching to Caesar? That Caesar himself would know Christ? You're like, hey, if you're willing to do it, Paul, we're going to send you. Right? He's just going to take this nice Mediterranean cruise down to Rome. He's going to go. He's going to show up there in this big coliseum. He's going to have the praise and worship team. He's going to have snacks passed out to everybody walking in. He's going to have this magical like crusade take place. When Paul went to Rome, he went in chains as a prisoner. And he couldn't go speak to Caesar. What did he do when he was in, in prison? What do we know that St. Paul did? He did something when he was in prison. He wrote his epistles. If St. Paul would have been freed to go preach to Caesar and went in the Colosseum and everybody got to hear his sermon, I want to ask you, do you think the impact of that would be more than St. Paul writing the New Testament that the whole world has read for the last 2,000 years? You see, God has a much broader perspective. God knows exactly... I know you'd love to go preach to Caesar. I know you want to just like go at him. No. Sit there and write some, some epistles. You're like, the great St. Paul is locked in a prison writing. There's no Pope Shenouda when he was brought in exile and they sent him to the monastery for 40 months. The Pope of the church locked in a prison as a monastery. That's when he wrote all of his books. And Pope Shenouda's like, basically preached to the whole Arabic-speaking world and all the generations in the Coptic church that came after, you're like, but the Pope is locked up in a monastery doing nothing. What is going to happen to the church? It's going to become so rich through the writings of His Holiness. God has a much broader perspective. Now, God often says no when He has a bigger plan. You can just take like three, four and pass them down. Three, four and pass them down. God often says no when he has a bigger plan. You see, God intends to answer your prayer. Like we said earlier, just not the way you intended or you wanted it to be answered. God has a much better plan. Let's look at what he says. Let's look at what he says in the book of Isaiah chapter 55. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want you to think about this for a second. The key word here is my ways. How many of you, when you pray, you know the answer? All right, God, for example, I'm in debt, okay? 
I have a lot of debt. I have a lot of credit card debt. And I say, Lord, if you just give me a raise at work, if I just get this position, I'm going to make an extra $20,000. All this will go away. There you go, Lord. There's your solution. I made it nice and easy for you. God has ways, not one way. He has thoughts, not one thought. So important for you to understand. Do you believe that God is bigger than your narrow-minded solution for him? You see, God needs to accomplish so many more things through his answer than just like, yes, you got the raise. Yes, you are promoted. Yes, you are the boss of the whole world. He's got so many more answers that he has for you. Maybe, again, like you're in, you're in deep debt. You blew it. You made it. You're begging God to, to, to help you out. How can God answer that prayer? He can do so many things. Like I said, he can give you a job promotion. He can decrease your expenses. He can uh, write off your debt somehow for whatever reason. He can do something where just the problem goes away and you're like, wow, God, you did it way better than I could have ever imagined. You see, what Christ wants to teach us is that the best way that's going to keep you growing Sorry. The light in the back. Be careful. You see, the way that grows your faith sometimes requires a delayed answer. God knows what he's working in your heart. God knows what he's teaching you in this delayed answer. He knows what he's trying to work in you to make you much better. You see, God cares much more He's interested in your comfort and your character more than he is your comfort. Pay attention to this. God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. You're begging God to make it go away. God says, no, I'm going to make a man out of you. I'll never forget. I remember when I was living in the mission field in, 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 in Africa or in Tanzania, so much corruption in the country of Tanzania and People were just, they would do magic and try to steal from the church and try to fool us and do all kinds of things until one day they even came to sue the church to try to get the Coptic church out so they can take our buildings and our land and just make us disappear. And I remember telling Sayyidina, I said, Sayyidina, just close down Tanzania. Forget it. Tanzania, is, is just wipe it off the face of the earth. There's no value in Tanzania. The people there, the, the, the tribes there have so much like they're very difficult people. Say, <laughs> close the mission here. Who cares? We have Kenya, we have Uganda, we have so many other things. He said, Mikey, I'll never forget. He said, I learned how to get on my knees here in Tanzania. Tanzania taught me how to pray. I would go in my room and cry to the Lord. God shaped me because of Tanzania. I will never close Tanzania. And I learned a very, very powerful lesson. God doesn't want just the problem to disappear. He wants to teach us how to pray. He wants to teach us how to meet him. He wants to build our character within us. Many of the people, like I said earlier, didn't get their prayers answered. And they actually died and never got to see what they want. Let's look at what Hebrews chapter 11, 39, 40 says. These were all commended for their faith. Talking about the great heroes of faith, Moses and Abraham and, and all of the people in, in the Old Testament. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Look at that right there. 
Look at that verse right there. None of them had received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see, God had planned something better. And God has all eternity to fill His purposes. Some things God is not going to fulfill on this side of your life. Maybe there's a sin that you're struggling against. There's a pain that you're experiencing maybe in your... Maybe you were widowed or in your falling apart marriage or in your singleness or whatever. Maybe that prayer of, of delivery from that sin is not going to be answered on this side of heaven. But when you're in heaven and you've been washed by the blood of Christ and you are standing before the Lamb and you have been granted the open doors, then you're going to say, wow, it was then that God chose to answer my freedom, even in heaven. I've met people that in their sin, that they're struggled, they've been struggling for how many years, but they struggled and they struggled and they struggled. And they got a crown for their struggle, not for their victory. The Bible says that you will receive a crown for your struggle. Maybe it is so. I remember I wanted to be a missionary in Kenya growing, like, like for my whole life. Sherry and I, we moved there. We took Daniel. We went one day. We said goodbye to our family, goodbye to our church. As we were on our way, like the day before we left, Sherry discovered that she was pregnant with baby number two. I'm like, good timing, Lord. Like, what are you thinking? And after a season, God brought us home. We delivered the baby. And here I am, priest of St. Mark's in Washington, D.C. I'm glad that God said no to my prayer. As exciting as it would have been to go and to be a missionary in Africa and to preach and whatever, it's way more exciting to be a priest here. A lot of action here at St. Mark's, okay? <laughs> okay, a lot of action here. Okay, you want adventure? I'll show you adventure. I thank God. God was much wiser than me. I want you to think about what prayer are you happy that God said no to? Think in your life. What prayer did you ask that God said no? No to. How many of you have, have been back to your high school reunions? Anybody ever go back to their high school reunion and the girl that you had a crush on or the guy that was a hunk and you were hoping he was going to marry you, now you see him now, he's homeless, okay? <laughs> and you're like, thank you, Lord, for not answering that prayer, okay? Like all of my high school, everybody's addicted to drugs right now. Like I, I'm the only one that came out alive. Like I thank God that he answered my prayer, that he didn't answer my prayer, Right? She's not as pretty as she used to be. She's not as pretty as she used to be. Like things change. And God knows way better. And he's saying, no, you don't know anything. You are just, just shh, be quiet. You don't know anything. I'm like, but you don't know anything, God. And I want this one. He's like, I see what you can't see. You see, God says no. Sorry. God says no when he has a greater purpose. God says no when he has a greater purpose. Your prayers will never interfere with your purpose. Let's see what David says in Psalm 57. We pray this in the Agbeah in the sixth hour. I cry, out to, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. You know what this is referring to? This is a prophecy of what? Christ. 
Christ is crying out to God Most High. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Before he's about to be crucified, he's crying to God in his prayers. And God is going to fulfill his purpose for him. Now we want to understand what is this, exactly this purpose that I have for your life. I can use your dumb mistakes and I can fit it in the purpose. Even the bad things he allows for a reason. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the re revelation of Jesus Christ. It's saying what? That the people in the, in, in the church at the time were suffering. They were persecuted severely. Okay? It says that the genuineness of your faith, these people who believed in God in the midst of their unbearable suffering, was much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it is tested by fire, actually it was tested literally by fire. They were taking the, Christ, the Christians, wrapping them in tar and lighting them up as flames and they were the lampposts at night in Rome. That's what Nero was doing. Literally tested by fire. Was found to praise and honor and glory. Today, we follow in their footsteps and we rejoice in our suffering because they rejoice in their suffering. Then now, we found something sweet in suffering because of these people. You see, God has a greater purpose for your life. Let's look at what it says here. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us, our light affliction. Who's speaking here? 2 Corinthians. Who wrote 2 Corinthians? St. Paul. Our light affliction of being shipwrecked and stoned and beaten with rods and imprisoned and uh, sleepless nights and in starvation and being tortured. Our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Your suffering is giving you something that you have no idea what it's doing for you. That if you could see, I remember when I met Abuna Angelus Al-Antoni, who is one of the, the, the sawah or one of the spirit bearers who travels in the spirit. And he told me when he had a vision of heaven, he had a vision of heaven. And I said, Abuna, what did you see? He said, Abuna, the people that are there, he said, first I saw the saints that I know, St. Mina and St. George, and then I saw these people with glorious crowns. And I asked St. Mary, who are these people? He said, these are the people that suffered from cancer. He's like, they're counted among the martyrs? He said, yes. God has counted their suffering as though they were martyred. Do you see that your suffering is working for you a glorious thing that you could never understand or, or know what to even ask for. Let's look at what happened in Genesis 50. Sorry if the text is a little bit too small. Genesis 50 verse 15. This is the end of Joseph's life. After his father had died and his brothers who had betrayed him and thrown him into a pit had came and they received food from Joseph and he took care of them. He says this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept 
when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it out about as it is this day to save many people alive. You see, Joseph's suffering and his pain and God's deliverance of why am I in prison and why did my brothers throw me away and why have I lost everything that I know? You see, God is saying, just wait, Joseph. All of this, you're going to become the king of the whole world. And you're going to save. He says, this is done for the salvation of many. And this is what we call redemptive suffering. Sometimes you're going to suffer for the benefit of others. And that's why God tells you no. That's why God tells you no. and He doesn't want to make the pain go away or take away the cross. People who have prayed that God would give them children and God never gave them children. You know what they did? They adopted. Their suffering was to somebody else's benefit. Some child out there got parents because God said, no, you're not going to have your own children. You're going to adopt. Redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering, something that we have to acknowledge and believe. God allowed his own son to suffer for our salvation. But I want you to understand something. It's then that you're going to be like Christ. This will make you like Christ. That you enduring some redemptive suffering for the greater good of somebody will make you like Jesus. Do you want that? Wouldn't you want to be like Christ? Redemptive suffering. You see, your pain isn't wasted. It's there to be used by God for something greater. Your pain isn't wasted. It's there to be used by God for something greater. Think about somebody who had lost both parents, lost two loved ones. They couldn't imagine what their life would be. They went through so much pain. And that person came to me and said, Abuna, I want to start the grieving ministry. I said, that's redemptive suffering. That's somebody who grieved a lot and went through so much pain and so much loss and said, God you is going to use this that I would be there to comfort others. So what to do when God says no? What do I do when God says no? First one is trust that God does everything for me in goodness and love. Everything that God does is out of goodness. It's motivated by love. Look at what he says in Psalm 25. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Romans 8.28, all, all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Know that he is good. In the midst of your pain, say, Lord, I know you are good. I believe that goodness has to come out of this. But I want you to know something. This is the time where, the sat where Satan is going to start shooting darts at you. When you feel like you're going and there's no answer and God said no, the time when God is going to tell you, you think that God is good? Is that why you are going to leave your, God forbid, leave your kids behind? You're going to die and your kids are going to grow up without a, a, a parent? 
That's, that's your good God? You say, I know my God is good. I know my God is good. I remember there was a story of a monk who had left the world and entered into the monastery and he was advancing in his spiritual life until he found out that his mother and his sister were living on the streets. And he went and went to go visit them and to take care of them. And he said, Lord, like that's it. I have to leave um, my monastic life and take care of my mom and my sister. And he spoke to his spiritual father. And his spiritual father said, that's fine. Either you take care of them or God takes care of them. Which one is better? And he said, God, of course. He says, you go back to your monastic life. Leave it into the hands of God. God is so good and we have to believe in that. I don't have to understand. I don't have to understand God's answer to my prayer to know that it's always motivated by love. Number two, when in pain you pray what Jesus prayed facing the cross. What Jesus prayed in Gethsemane. Let's, let's look at what he says in Mark 14. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Guys, this is Jesus himself. Jesus, the Son of God, told God the Father, if it is possible, let it pass. And God said no. If it's possible, let this cup just keep on going. Just find somebody else. God said no, even to Christ, the Son of God. And then he says this. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you will. This is a maturity that needs to take place in our spiritual life. First thing we need to do in this prayer, you have to understand when he says, Abba, he's say, Abba Father means Daddy. He's, he's like working on the emotions of God the Father. He's like, hey, Daddy, Daddy, please, if you can make this cup go. Listen to what he says. He says, I know all things are possible for you. First thing you need to do to pray this prayer is to affirm God's power. God, I know that you can do all things. Number two, ask from your heart. Beg from your heart and say, Lord, please, I beg you. I beg you, this pain is too much. This cross I can't bear. This uh, circumstance that I'm in, I can't get through. Beg, pray from your heart. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong to fight with God and to wrestle with God. But then you say, I accept your plan. Nevertheless, if you ever do a study, get a chance to do a study on one word in the Bible, look at the word nevertheless. Look up all the times that Jesus says nevertheless. So many powerful statements came after that word. Nevertheless, not what I will. How many of us are willing to tell God and submit and say, Lord, not what I will? You know better. You know way better than I do. You see, God smiles at this prayer because he knows you trust him. You say, all right, Lord, not my will. I trust in your perfect will. And then he'll give you grace like he gave St. Paul. You see, I expect God to give his grace to handle his answer. When you pray this prayer, you expect God to give his grace. Yeah, the cross you might have to care, carry, but he's going to give you the grace. He's going to get you through it. You are going to be able to do above what you never thought you could do. There is one of the most powerful preachers in the world today. He's famous all over the round, around the world. 
He has a brain disorder. And this brain disorder makes his body like overheat and, and he, he, he can't do public speaking. And he, so he told God, please, Lord, make this go away. Make this thing go away, Lord. I'm a, how can I serve? How can I preach? He actually has anxiety of preaching. And God said exactly what he told St. Paul. When St. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions. St. Paul, are you crazy? Are you crazy? I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions. You, you rejoice in these things? For when I am weak, then I am strong. This, this pastor said, okay, Lord, like maybe I can do one service. The ministry started to grow. He had to do two services. I said, Lord, I never thought I could do that. Glory be to God. Ministry started to grow. They said three services in a day. He has a brain disorder. He is, his body overheats when he goes under stress. He cannot deal with it. A fourth service in the day. A fifth service in the day. Until he's doing six services a day with feeling anxiety at public speaking. Changing the world. My grace is sufficient for you. Lord, make it go away. No, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to get you through it. Last thing. Psalm 910 says this, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. If you can't put your trust in the Lord, I'm going to challenge you to see whether you know God or not. Maybe you don't know him. And so you can't trust him. This is a challenge for you right now to say, do I know him or do I not know him? For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.